National Rescue Consultants presents Train to Live podcast with Herb Tyler, Greg Rogers, and Rob Ramirez. Talking all things fire and technical rescue. So pour a drink and enjoy the show. How you doing, Herb? What's up, fellas? Robert? What's going on, boys? How's it going? Uh, another day in paradise. Good to, see, going, guys? Good to see your guys' smiling faces again. All right. Rob, I <laughs> miss good. you, bro. I miss you too, boys. Herbie, Here I haven't seen good you much lately, bro, but whatever. To a good show, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Uh, we, we got a special guest today. Looking very forward to it. Uh, we're we're going to dive deep into a call that he just had. We're, we're going to be doing a lot of stuff. But uh, before we introduce him, uh, we, we want to take a moment and uh, actually talk about one of the brothers that we lost. All right, I'll take it. Uh, today makes four years, November 29th, 2016. Uh, one of those moments in our lives where we all know where we were. If you were close to Matty or Matthew Negley, uh, you got that phone call that day, and those phone calls are never easy. I remember uh, Mike Salzano calling me, asking me about sitting down, told me what happened. A couple of days later, we were up in Orlando. That night, we all hung out. Uh, Maddie was always the coolest guy in the room, smartest guy in the room, most interesting guy in the room. Uh, his passing was untimely and unfortunate. He's uh, the founder of the Orlando Fire Conference. He was a mentor, a hero, a brother, and uh, an absolute leader in the fire service, and he's, he's sorely missed. Let's raise a glass for him, gentlemen. To Maddie. To Maddie. Go forward. Yeah, he was uh he was definitely one of the guys that uh are truly missed in the fire service, man. He uh the moment I met him, I met him at the Fort Lauderdale Fire Expo. And uh the moment he saw me he just started cracking on me about my ears. And uh <laughs> after that we just hit it off, man. He's an awesome guy, dude. That's weird. I can't imagine that. Exactly. <laughs> His ears, your height, my fat. Oh, that's okay. Here we go. Here we go. We had to go there. I'm sitting on a booster chair right now. And a telephone book. Just a booster. Well, let's uh with, with no further ado, let's uh let's get this guy in here and uh let's start picking his brain. Uh hats off to Greg. Greg is the one that uh spearheaded this to get uh to get this going so i'm gonna let him introduce him and uh we're gonna bring him on um i have to uh i have to give out i have to give a shout out to uh one of my crew members ben schultz because he's the one that came to me and said hey man check this out and i want to say it just happened roughly three weeks ago and i said call him get his number this is something we need to get when it's super fresh in everybody's mind a lot of people talk about it but you don't have it fresh like that in their mind. So that, so that's that's how this went down. So hat off, hats off to him, too. I appreciate that. Um, gave, got me his contacts and all that, and then I started getting in contact with uh, Tom Johnson here. Um, truck company captain in the Denver metro area. Um, like the rest of us, we don't really like to push out to our department too much because you're working in that gray area in case something uh, a little crazy said or whatever. Spent two and a half years as an instructor at the Training Academy. He's the co-founder of Fit to Fight Fire. If you guys are anywhere on 
Instagram, Facebook, anything. They're all over the place. These guys are legit, man. They uh, they have a love of the job, which I really appreciate. And um, I I will admit I didn't didn't really have a lot of didn't really show much attention to Fit to Fly Fire until I started talking to this guy a couple days ago, and I started researching a little bit. And now uh, I'm a believer. I'm in. I'm uh, I'll be following pretty much every move. A lot of things they do. And uh, who knows? Maybe we can even get him around here to uh, show us a little, show us a little out west tactics in the South Florida area. What do you think, there, Roberto? I think it's awesome. I've been following them, unlike you, from the get, because obviously I'm fit to fight fire. <laughs> <laughs> but these guys are high speed, ultra, ultra popular on the internet, uh, ultra popular organization. Their book is awesome. If you haven't gone on and gotten it already, you should be reading it or have read it. It's a little banger. I carry it with me. The mindset. It's a great it's book, uh, written, by, written by him and John. Uh, John's formerly from the South Florida area. These guys are as high speed as they come, and their passion for, their passion for the game and the job is uh, contagious. And uh, I'm a big fan of theirs, so I'm excited to have Tom here today. All right. Let's, uh, let's bring Tom on. There he is. Welcome Tom, to welcome. the show. Here I am. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, no man, here I am. Th- thanks for uh, thanks for coming on, man. It's uh, I, I know it was a little short notice and a little little hassle with kids and everything, but uh, we truly do appreciate you coming on, and spending some time with us tonight. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks a lot. Very nice. Hey, so so uh, before we start diving into all the questions and everything, give give the guys uh, some of the listeners the backstory of how you got into fit to fight fire, where it all came from. I, I, I definitely think that's a huge part of, of who you are. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a big part of what I'm involved with in the fire service these days, but really I think uh, a big portion of the beginning of it belongs to John Spare because he's the one back in, you know, 2008, 2009, 2010 that, started the social media following and was posting workouts and really, really saw the, the lack of accountability maybe to fitness in the fire service in general. And so he used social media and uh, Facebook and created a page and created the fit to fight fire name and, and kind of that brand and uh, started pushing fitness as, as something that, you know, we, we go to trainings for, command structure we go to trainings for um you know anything in the fire service uh whether it might be like ves or rick or or hose movement whatever but we still have to have the fitness to be able to do all this stuff that's the precursor to everything and so i think that was where he was at is just uh the human desires take the path of least resistance and Mm -hmm. and john recognized that and wanted to use to fight fire as a vehicle to, to convince people and to motivate people that, Hey, it, it's okay. It's, it's, it's hard thing to be, but uh, we need to be in shape, to be able to do this job. And then we knew of each other because uh, when I got hired on my department in 08, John had just been hired with the same department a year or two earlier. And then we started working with, uh, together at training in 2014 2015 and that's where we more or less put that fire kind of higher gear 
you know, that's where we started teaching classes locally, nationally, and we started podcasting a couple of years later and then led to the book and, and, you know, you have, you have what we have now today. I like it. I got, uh, I got my book on order. So, uh, I, um, I'm, I'm behind the curve here. Thanks for, thanks for bringing me up to speed, Rob, on all that. <laughs> you got it, pal. All right. Great book. So- great book. Let's uh, let's just dive right into it. We're uh, we're gonna try to keep uh, tonight is short. Uh, we're we're not gonna try to go three and a half hours. Obviously, uh, oh, everyone has kids that need to go to school tomorrow, so we're uh, we're gonna keep it short. This is kind of just a little Thanksgiving edition uh, podcast, so, so that's what we're gonna do. Uh, with uh, no further ado, we'll let Rob jump into it. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, let's hit him with some questions and. Uh, Let's go. Uh, let's get the show on the road. All right. You got it. I'm going to go ahead, Greg, and start. Uh, first of all, I want to say what's up to Shane Bentley. I saw him down there. And uh, Lee, what's going on? Guys from Georgia. Uh, Brothers of the Oath. Uh, stand-up organization. Good firemen. Great brothers. And uh, they are keepers of the oath, by all means. Uh, see him. Thanks for joining in tonight, guys. Uh, so, Tom, I, I, did, I did listen to your podcast and, and the audio of the fire that we're talking about. Um, before we get too into it, uh, that night you talked about the call, you talked about being there at 1130 at night, you talked about the crew you were running with, and then you talked about your tactics. Um, you mentioned that when you got there and you finally made the decision to VES and saw that that was going to be your primary means of entry and to do your search above the fire ahead of the hose line, uh, you thought about maybe going through the stairwell. Am I correct on that? I, I may have, we may have lost them. Yeah, that was my first intention was to split our crew and then we would, we would send uh, two of us inside and, and two of us would be outside vent. All right, right on. Let's, uh, you know what, before we even get into the question, just for our, our, the purpose of our audience, uh, can you just give us a brief synopsis of how it all went down? Kind of like the way that you guys did it on your podcast, which was excellent. Just, uh, you know, where you were, where you were assigned to, and, and what you saw when you got there, just to get everybody up to speed so we can dive into these questions. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll try to keep it briefer than, uh, say, 45 minutes on our podcast. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was a, a three-story uh, multifamily residence, and the first level being a garden level. So uh, you had three total stories, and... We were the second arriving truck on scene. So the first arriving, I should say the the second arriving apparatus, we were the first arriving truck. The first uh, apparatus on scene was an engine company. They sized it up. But in route, we knew we had uh, jumpers, we had parties trapped, we had multiple callers, all the signs that you, you you hear on radio that dispatch hears that you know you've got a good working structure fire, we had the minute we left the barn. So... We pulled up and seen as the first ladder company and we're assigned to rescue. So prior to us even arriving there, we had reports of people jumping, people being trapped, people being rescued by other people, people running out of the building. And uh, it was apparent when we got on scene that everything that we heard in route was pretty accurate because we pulled up to the most evolved side was the Delta side and, and, you know, this picture you have up here, 
that's the Bravo side of the building, but the Delta side third floor looked exactly the same way. So you had third floor windows on the Bravo and Delta side that were all chugging black smoke, you know, potentially ready to flash high heat and uh, the stairwell access on one of the sides of the building on the Delta side was engulfed, you know, from the garden level to the third floor. And so what you're looking at right here is the Delta side of the building. And you can see, uh, you know, the, the off center window, you know, that's going to be your stairwell window. And then below that's going to be your stairwell entrance. Mm -hmm. And to the right of that on the third floor, you'll see that those are the windows that we, one, we guessed in and two, we took the victim out of. So if you look at the, the actual boarded up window that's above the basketball hoop. So the top window above the basketball hoop, that's the actual window that we threw a ladder to. Uh, the window was already open from previous jumpers, uh, people coming out through that same window, but we had to climb to the top of it, clear the rest of the window out, clear the sash. And then we entered through that window, which was a separate bedroom, searched that bedroom, went uh, beyond that door, took a right in the hallway and then entered the other bedroom, which is the window to the right, which would be closest to that corner. That would be the Delta corner. Right. And inside that room is where we found the victim that was beneath the sill between the bed and the sill. And uh, that's where we called for a ladder to be thrown to that window so we could take her out that window. Okay. Is that the shed there you guys talked about? Did Tom freeze? Uh, <clears throat> I think he just yeah, had. Yeah, you can low. see the. Uh, yeah, you can see the roof of that shed. So. Yeah, you can see you can see that shed, and uh, that's where it it really hampered access initially to put a ladder there, and then taking the victim out down the ladder. Uh, that's one story that, you know. Dan DeJesus, who was on our podcast, who was there that talked about how he and his partner, Bo Hodges, really had to just lay on that ladder because it was at an angle to bring the victim down. So just one of those things on the fire ground you, you never plan on. But if you, you learn to adapt in training, it just becomes the normal thing to do on the fire ground. That is cool. There's so many good points to take away from that fire. You said a lot of big things just in that little spiel you gave us right now. Um, so once you went inside, Tom, at what point did you decide that you were going to uh, split your search and uh, VES beyond the door? Uh, I myself am a fan of actually uh, VESing past the actual door. Uh, if you search the room and isolate it, there is no reason why you can't check the immediate hallway or see if there's a continuum to the space that you're in. Uh, at what point did you guys decide, you know what, we just VES this room we're both oriented. We split our search because I heard you talk about it. Covered as much ground as possible. Got to that door. And what was the mindset there when you said, I'm going to go beyond the door and continue my search? Is that something you guys practice as a company? Well, it is something that we practice. I mean, when you're inside the building, I mean, if you can get other bedrooms searched and it's more efficient and honestly, uh, you know, time is of the essence right so coming out moving the ladder going to the bedroom 
it's going to take a lot more time than if, if I feel like I can isolate and get to the next room, I'm going to do that, right? It's, it's going to save me four to five minutes potentially to get into the other room. But, you know, this was a, this was an interesting fire because I knew just going up into that first bedroom, I knew that we were going to go beyond the door. I didn't know that there wouldn't be anybody in the first room, but I knew from reports out front that there was somebody in the other room. So I knew going in that we were going to be searching beyond the door. That, that was one thing that I did know. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Not often you hear about that. And uh, I know a lot of guys preach it and to actually meet somebody that actually did it and it resulted in a grab. That's just, that just validates everything that we're teaching out there. And I appreciate the story, bro. No problem. And Greg has no audio. We're having all types of audio issues. Yeah, we got a. What about now? Perfect. You got it, beautiful. All right, sorry. I got to take the mute button off. Sorry about that. Um, let's take a uh, let's take a step back. I, I know that um, throwing the ladders and and getting to the window, and you can see that it's on the third floor there. So, how how critical was your initial size up? Because you guys said you were second or third in. How, how critical was your size up to how you were going to play the game? Because you said you had a partial 360 of the building. And um, when you went into the, I think it was the Bravo side we were showing right here, that's kind of where you realized you were going to be making your push because that's where the heaviest smoke was and that's where you had to get. So how critical was that initial size up versus your 360? I think uh, I think Tom's having a word. Away. Well, I say that my three C was more of a two seventy. You know, uh, I got three sides of it, and I knew from that we drove up on looking at this side. This is the side we drove up side. So we saw this first. It's the Delta side, and so I got out. Guys looked at me. You know, they they started throwing ladders. They knew we had people trapped, and they went to work. Well, I did a quick, uh, like I said, 270, got, got the Bravo, Alpha, and Delta side. And at the time I saw the Bravo side, it didn't look like what the picture is on the left here, right? It, you had light smoke coming out of the third floor, but you didn't have that. What you had is you had already a fire on the Delta side and those and heavy smoke coming out of the third floor. And then, of course, the window had failed in the stairwell and the who knows if the door or not I'd open or it had failed for the entrance. And so getting to that side and seeing that the stairwell was engulfed all the way through, you know, that's what, you know, your initial plan was, Hey, let's get out. Probably going to be doing extra rescues because we're coming out of windows. I had in my mind that I thought we would probably be yes. But if I could get to the third floor interior, that was my goal too. Uh, made entrance into that stairwell, and that's kind of when that eyes came or that that change of plans happened. Because, like I said, uh, I was passing a lot of fire, trying to get to the third, floor, but really not knowing a lot of the third floor where I was. So, 
once I got to that first floor, engulfed, you know, didn't have a hose line in place yet. We're still, still in company with rescues as well. That's when I came back outside and said, all right, our quickest, most efficient way to get in people out that are possibly still inside is to VES that third floor on the Delta side. So then it became, then it became a kind of a VES for the, for my entire ladder company to, to, go to the third floor from the exterior. And, and as it turns out, two of, uh, two of the guys that were in the back seat on my ladder company ended up going interior through a different stairwell and got to the third floor and were blocked by fire. So we got all the way to the third floor on the interior, but we're, we're actually unable to pass it. So VES turned out to be the right decision for that point in time without the hose line in place yet. I think um, I think VES is a very underutilized tool. Um, <clears throat> you guys proved obviously that it works uh, just a hundred percent. I mean, every time it's done, you're either going to get a good look, you're going to get the grab, or like uh, one of my favorite words that, and I'm saying this sarcastically, is you're you're end up getting a rep when you do it. Now, if it's a correct rep, I'd completely agree with it. But um, it sounded like you guys, uh, the 270 paid off. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, had I seen, I think had I seen the conditions on the Bravo side that were on the Delta side at that time, I imagine I would have just split our crew to each side. So I would have been, okay, two to the Delta side, two to the Bravo side for VES. In this case, it looked like the majority of the action when we arrived on scene was on the Delta side. So we were all on the Delta side, trying our best to get to the third floor any way we could. So one thing that um, one thing you said in your podcast, and, it, and it's not the only thing that stuck, but it's something I really liked. And we talked about it off the air before we started was um, your backseat intuition. And I, I can't I can't. Like we talk senior man and all that, I think all that adds to the backseat intuition of your guys being able to make some decisions on their own that's correct. And then it kind of segues into that freelance that you guys were kind of like joking around like, ah, we were freelancing. But I think there's a major difference on freelancing and actually getting it. And it sounds like your crew from the youngest guy and I actually wrote all their names down, but I think I wrote them down wrong, so I do apologize. <laughs> but from your youngest guy to the most senior guy on there, it sounded like you guys got it, and you were definitely in sync and on point that day to get that done. And uh, I applaud you for that. That was awesome. Is it the diagram? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that – yeah, that's one thing that uh... – you know, I'm sitting here talking to you guys right now, but I didn't do this alone and there's no way I could have. And this call would have gone much differently and and uh, we, we, we would have been in a much different spot had I not had the two guys in the backseat that I did have. And their, their names were Jonathan Cox and Jack Thompson. And as I will probably reference our podcast, we did this on call. These guys are guys that I had suffered with in training years before, right? So uh, Dan Davis, DJ's name, 
DJ came through one of my academies when I was a lead instructor out at training. So, you know, that was my mentality as an instructor at training is I want to do the best job I can there to create firefighters that when they go out onto the street, one, they can for themselves and two, they work for anybody. You know, so we were hard on him intentionally in training. He rose, he rose, right? He's just a gamer. Right. And that, that was good to have him there. Jack Thompson was one of my OBs when I was an engine captain. I had him for six, eight months. And, uh, you know, I've known him ever since. We still train together now. And then, of course, Jonathan Cox, who was also there and uh, was inside VSM with me, he came out to firemanship and did the 24 hour class with us, uh, you know, at firemanship 2020. So, it doesn't happen without trust, right? You don't go into high heat, low visibility conditions with, and actually get things done in a like this without trust, you know, and that, that's where it really happened. Like this rescue, this rescue happened in all the trainings that we all did together. That was a big thing. And so the, the backseat intuition you talk about, I think it's huge. I mean, I've got to be able to, as an officer, trust the guys in the backseat. I can't micromanage them. I, I'm never going to micromanage any of my firefighters. Because when the fire like this happens, which, you know, maybe happens once every couple of years, might be on my shift, might not be on my shift. We may go. We may not go if it's on our shift. Who knows? But when it does happen, the, the seat has the ability to think freely because I can't give them every command on the fire ground. They just got to know what to do. They got to trust that I trust. We got to we got to dial up some uh, <clears throat> we got to dial up some Wi-Fi out in Colorado, man. Yeah, they're, they're uh, on three hour delay. <laughs> yeah. Is it that spotty? It's terrible. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a little spotty. Okay. Well, let me make some adjustments. That's all right. We'll uh, we can work on it, Herbie. We might have to um, might have to work your magic on it. But anyways, this is Rob. This is the layout. Um, is that what you asked? I did. This is the layout. This is the window he went in, and he it looks like he went past room of bunk beds, found the door, hung a right, and made the grab by the window. So that on the adjacent room. So talking there too, ladder obviously went up where the bunk beds are. That's when they mm -hmm. went in. There's their oriented search. <clears throat> As they went around, they pushed into the other room. Made a made the adjacent room went in. That's where they found the Vic. And what if I if I remember correctly, that's where they had uh, outside. They had a bunch of painters ladders, and one of their mm -hmm. one of their crew members kind of picked up on it that uh you're not gonna be able to bring two people down those ladders they're gonna fold in half so that's yep. kind of that's kind of where all that went down we can confirm with him when he comes back on and, yeah, um, where you see that it was oriented is that if you talk to tom and you hear the previous uh, conversation uh, he talks about how he had already been pointed uh to actually that location by the people outside saying there is a victim on the room next door so he, he remained oriented as a company officer when he went in through that window, understanding he was in a bedroom, A, B, finding the door to the hallway, and knowing that to the right of that door 
if he stayed on that wall, he was going to find the bedroom where he was, had already been told, which kept him from going straight, straying into that bathroom on the left there or the living room or kitchen area. He, he was oriented to where he was in the building at all times. Yeah, and I it, agree. And it, so it, it worked out real well for him. The fact that they split up is a varsity move. And you see Pablo there, um, Pablo and his cadre of guys at Build Your Culture. They're a bunch of studs as well. Thanks for commenting, Pablo. Pablo always keeps the varsity as fuck. Uh, he did mention that earlier. Uh, split searches are something that him and uh, Sean Duffy teach a lot. And uh, they're huge proponents of it. And if you ever hear them give their split search or oriented search or targeted search uh, lecture, those guys are some of the best in the country. So uh, some thanks of the, for joining us. Some of the things they were talking about, too, that everybody gets – a lot of people get caught on these labels. Oh, it's got to be yeah. oriented. It can't be anchored. But I think when you push and you do – you do VES through these windows and you're going to push into a next room or a hallway or across the hall. And you're not a hundred percent sure if that ladder's there yet, or it's in route to that location. I think you're, if you got two guys in the room, I think you're doing an oriented split and then you're going to also anchor on the outside of that. And then you're going to target and get yourself back in. So that's why I think it is such a, when we always talk, it's a varsity move. Not to down the JV guys, because we were all JV guys at one time. But I think to make that varsity move like that, I think you have to be so in touch with your search techniques that when you hook that door, knowing he's going to push one over or knowing what he's going to do. And like like the the guy Pablo said too, Mm -hmm. um, this happened because of all the training we did together. That that is an outstanding Mm -hmm. statement. Absolutely an outstanding statement. Absolutely. Um, if you talk to these guys, in order for one of us to remain oriented, I can't be searching with you. I mean, if you break it down to a simplest form without getting super geeky and nerdy in here, if I'm the officer and I'm in there with my fireman and we're, we're splitting our search and we're going to go past that door, my last known point is that door. So I'm going to hold that door for him and he's going to go ahead and search the room and remain in voice contact with me or on a tick. If, but I'm maintaining orientation. I'm not jumping into a room and doing a 360 of the room with him and then hopping over to the next room and doing a 360 with him because two or three rooms down the hall, two or three 360s later, neither one of us is oriented and we're both short of breath. One of us is responsible for getting us back out of shit gets uh, bad. So you, you, one of us more. has to remain oriented. I couldn't Otherwise, at that, point, we're just, at that point, we're just searching the shit out of the house. Yeah. <laughs> you're, just going, you're, just, you're just wiping all the soot off the walls at that point. Fact. Uh, it, it, hey, it's but, good stuff. But Rob, when you said that um, you didn't want to get all geeky and nerdy about it, dude, we're mm-hmm. doing a podcast on this stuff. It doesn't get any more nerdy than this. You know what I'm saying? Also, also a fact. Fact. Hey, fact. so uh, yeah. go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Herb. Tom, Tom reset his uh, computer. He's gonna hop right back on here in a second. Uh, he's having a little uh, delay, so he's gonna hop back in, and, and we're, we're gonna get right back into it. But uh, very cool. Uh, he he definitely was hitting on some points that um, we didn't get a chance to to talk to him about, but like like Pablo said, the the fact that he goes, we've trained on this every single time, and that goes right back to exactly what the guys are doing when we're teaching. We're we're giving you every possible scenario. And every option available to to keep training, and the the fact that these guys probably did um, trained on this a million times, 
and it worked. So that reward was there. And you, you, you can't get better. You can't get anything better than that because all that hard work paid off. And it paid off correctly because you did your job correctly. Absolutely, Herb. If I can just add to that real quick, um, you did have a, uh, you did have up there. Uh, I believe John Sparrow commented earlier that this re this rescue was the result of hundreds, if not thousands, of hours of uh, you know conscious suffering that Tom and his guys guys put himself through. Guys like uh, these high speed company officers and firemen throughout the country that that expose themselves to the type of training and, and teaching. Um, they're getting ready for that next play. And they're creating common language, common ground. And he said it earlier before he went off the air. He, he, they're creating trust within the company. Um, they call a play and they follow the play through. And they know that every man's going to take responsible of his, be responsible for his job. Uh, so when he went in that room, um, he talks about passing things that were irrelevant, even though he was noticing them. Okay, I don't need to pay attention to that because that's not varsity. I need to get uh, to point A. And then from point A, he got to point B and ignored everything in between, although he did take it in and maintain situational awareness and orientation. Um, you know, uh, I think Pauli Capel says it best, you know, uh, practice doesn't make perfect, you know, uh, practice makes permanent. So if your reps are shitty, you're going to create shitty permanent results. But if your reps are meaningful, realistic, and intentional, then you're going to create a result that's going to culminate in a successful rescue or in a successful outcome. Every rep matters, good or bad. So... It, it, it's important when we do training with our people, you know, you know through NRC, it, it, we try to build that positive neural pathway. When, when, again, getting geeky, Greg, talking about physiology. Every time that we put someone through a rep, a positive, realistic, intentional, well thought out, data driven rep, we're creating a neural pathway for maybe a year down the road or 10 years down the road when that person is found in that, is finds themselves in that situation. They're going to go through their hard drive and they're going to find the slide that matches the situation that resulted in a positive outcome and they're going to hit it and they're going to hit it hard without even thinking. And that only happens through reps and uh, realistic training. And obviously Tom and his members uh, have done it and the result speaks for itself. Very varsity yeah, and, move. And I, I agree with you. I agree with doing correct, well thought out repetitions, shorten it down to reps. I get it. But when people just throw the word rep out there <clears throat> my big saying was train hard but train right correct you know so if you're doing it correctly I, I don't care if you're if you're watching videos or you're writing a notebook report it's going into your head but you still have to physically go out and do it but you have to do it correctly and then when you go at it go all in go hard I'm, I, I mean we, we do that you, you know how it is through through NRC um, and, and probably even at our departments, we, we carry the same mentality. That's, you know, that's obviously where we started was our departments first, but, um, mm -hmm. carrying it over and finding, um, positive things that we can build on and gaps that we need to fill. And that's kind of where we're at here. And that's, that's why. We're speaking the same language, hundred percent tomato, tomato. I'm bilingual now. Is that what you're telling me? You are. All right. Bye -bye. What is Shane? What is Shane saying? He wants to search every job every time. If you guys are not friends, if you guys are not friends with Shane Bentley on Facebook or Instagram, you need to follow him or befriend him. So if you're on here and you're not Shane's friend, you need to follow this guy. These guys are awesome. Some of the most hey, passionate guys in the fire service. What does that I mean in VES though? I have to talk to him about that. We haven't gotten yeah, that far yet. In our I don't even know what that means. I think he. I think it's a typo. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
All it is is just someone trying to make a name for themselves. So that's all it is. You, you know what? Let me add another uh, letter to it, and uh, it'll be the new trending topic for the year. It's all right, Tom. Tom, you back? All right, I hope that's better. <laughs> Boom. Uh-oh, maybe not. Oh, boy. Is he sleeping, or is... <laughs> All right, so what I miss? Uh, pr- pretty much, we were just uh, talking shop, and we were uh, we were we were talking on a lot of the good points that you had, and uh, we we were talking about how the the one thing a lot of the guys on the uh, chats were were saying, as well as uh, myself, Greg, and uh, Rob, was the fact that one of the things that you said that really stood out to us was the fact that you trained so much for something. And you actually got to implement it, and it worked out the way you trained, and and it just paid dividends. He'll get here. Marco? Yeah, it's one of the things, like, no put in if it's ever going to be something you're going to have to use know that it's happened before because people write about it they they've been there before they tell their stories and it can happen anywhere right but you never know if it's going to happen on your watch and so it's one of those things it's like you're training for the super bowl but you never know if you're ever going to get to play it yeah it's uh it definitely resonated with everyone that's listening right now because every single person kept saying the exact same thing. Hey guys, we do we we do apologize. Tom's having a little delay on his end. I've no, I've never been this quiet for this long. Let me read what Pablo put up here. Hey, Tom, you with us still or no? All right. All right. Well, let's keep rolling with it then. We um, work on that. Work on that, Herb. I'm gonna do my best. Thank you, man. I mean, listen. Uh, going back to what he what he talked about earlier. Is he back there, Tom? No. no? He's up. Okay, he's frozen. All right. Um, VES, and I think Greg mentioned it earlier, too. Uh, oh, so it's just you and I, Greg. So when you said earlier that VES is something that we don't do enough in the fire service, I think that's not even a South Florida thing, man. You talk to guys from all over the country, you know, barring the Northeast and the OV guy and, and that actual position on a truck, like that's their job assignment. But you talk to companies or departments that don't have dedicated trucks or dedicated engines. Or in our world, we have ambulances, you know, the rescue truck. I mean, that's the perfect vessel for a VES in South Florida. Like those rescue guys, if you don't have an assigned truck company and you're not using them as medical, they should be coming off that box thinking VES. You know, there, there is no safer form of search than a targeted, well-thought-out VES where you can identify a searchable space. Notice I'm not saying survivable, 
Uh, I hate that word, um, but that searchable space and isolate yourself from the fire, give it a good search, and then move on to the next one. Um, rather than the classic, the way that we were trained, you know, anchored to the wall and going in through the front door alpha side and getting your ass kicked throughout this entire hoarder house, past the fire, ahead of the fire, above the fire. And that, that takes a long time and it puts our members at a lot more risk if we're being the safety police. What do you think? Um, yeah, so let, I mean, let, let's be realistic about it. The medic trucks or rescues, as we call them down here, that's the young dudes. Those are the hard chargers, man. All they need mm -hmm. is a little guidance. So if you've trained with them, and, and like you said, the positive reps, I know my crew's mm -hmm. probably chuckling now. Shout out to uh, Station 5 because I, I threatened them to watch. But, uh, but if you do a positive rep, like you said, and you've trained with each other, and that guy knows what I'm, or girl, that guy or girl knows what I'm thinking, and I know what they're going to do, the rescue's mm -hmm. the way to go, man. I mean, because like you said, the only thing they're lacking is ladders, but that first new engine, yeah. think about it. They're not pulling their ladders. They're stretching lines. So you got ladders mm -hmm. right out front. Truck guys should be bringing their ladders with them, and then the squad guys come in and save the day pretty much is how it works, you know? Yeah, and I'm, and I'm not saying that I'm doing it right or anyone else is doing it wrong, but if you're the company officer, the position that you and you and I find ourselves in every third day, and you have that rescue ambulance company attached to your firehouse, that's a play that you should have in your playbook. I agree. Where, you know, you show up, you, you identify your incident priorities, and you're like, you know what, we're in rescue mode. Those rescue guys need to hear no further. They should understand rescue mode means that they're going to grab a ladder and they're getting ready to VES, whether it's the first floor, second floor, or in Tom's case, the third floor. And you have to put that trust in them where you know they're going to be okay. Awesome. Hey, uh, so your boy Shane Bentley there um, just uh, put me in my place very nicely. I do appreciate that, Shane. Uh, he said, glad that I asked. No typo, Greg. Vent, enter, and an intense search. <laughs> Shane, I owe you a beer for that one, my man. I do apologize for that. But thanks for going hey, Tom, easy on Tom me. is back. Tom, are you I'm, back? I'm back. I I'm on a cell phone Wi-Fi now, so hopefully that's better. I don't know. It it, uh, it actually is. You shaved nine minutes off each one of your uh, your uh, answers. All right. All right. Can we just are we just gonna start over? Can we just? Yeah. Hey Tom, <laughs> right? how's it going? Start over. Perfect. If your if your kids are over three years old, ask them. They do really well with computers. <laughs> He's back. I know, right? He, there you go. Um, okay. All right, so uh, who, who's up, Herbie or Rob? Let's go. I, I, I've <laughs> talked a couple. It's uh, so real quick. Uh, I, I threw this slide up here. Uh, Tom sent it over to me. Hey, Tom. So can you kind of just walk through what we're looking at right here? Kind of what you were thinking and and what this layout actually means. So when the guys are watching it. Yeah, I put a couple things on there. You can see the ladder going up to the window we went in. And this is something that was pointed out to me after the fire. But where you, I, I kind of put an asterisk in that first room where it says bunk beds. Mm -hmm. Well, Jonathan Cox pointed out to me after the fire. He said, hey, did you know there were bunk beds in there? And I said, no. I mean, I remember there being a bed but not a bunk bed, right? So there's one of those slides for me, for anybody else, for any future VES I do. It's like, you know, I've talked about it before, 
searching under beds, above beds, but and and even in discussed bunk beds before, but just didn't recognize it. You know, there was bunk beds in there, and obviously, I would hope that any child would not go to the top bunk. It'd be pretty uncomfortable up there in the conditions we were in. But hey, man, you never know. But it was interesting that uh, that first bedroom had bunk beds in it, and um, you know, luckily we didn't uh, miss someone on the top bunk, but we did find the beds in there. And then, you know, once we moved into the hallway, you can follow that arrow. That's, that's kind of our path through the apartment and into the other room. Um, I went into the second bedroom, found the bed, searched that. And then I was working around the bed through the room. And that's so he went around obviously into that bedroom and that's where he found the vic um one uh tom if you can hear me did you guys come through the bunk beds or did you go or or, uh were they off to one side or the other i think he's out again yeah i think so Colorado Wi-Fi. All right. So, anyways, um, to add to the bunk bed thing, we uh, we did some search training years ago, maybe twelve years ago, something like that. And guys were going in the room, and we were doing uh, there there the room was laid out. And there was two beds in it. It was a kids room, and it was it was all training. A couple of the instructors took the second bed and put it up on top as a bunk bed. All of those guys knew that bed, knew that bedroom. They went in there. They searched the one bed. They went around. They found a dresser, moved themselves around, and ended up leaving the room. Never checked the top bunk bed. But one of the old timers that was there said, hey, man, um, I've searched a handful of rooms. Uh, and I talked to um, I talked to a couple other guys uh, about it, too, that definitely, you know, up north to do some searching. And they said nine times out of ten, they're gonna feel, they're gonna smell like the smoke. They're gonna feel the heat, and they're gonna jump down. And where do they head? They head towards a window or a door. Doesn't mean you don't have to check it, but your percentage goes down, which kind of made sense to me. But um, I'd like to see what those numbers are today. Just seeing that he brought that up. Yeah, um, I, I have my guys. Whenever I teach search, or I'm part of a teaching cadre that is covering search, uh, we you know systems create success. I'm a big fan of systems. Anytime we come across a bed in a search where you're in zero visibility or little visibility, uh, we're gonna get we're gonna make we're gonna make sure that we feel with our hand, not our tool, four sides of the bed. If there's anything, any sheets or pillows or anything, they're gonna get moved and felt with our hands. We're gonna check under the bed, and we have a thing that we call monkey arms. You know, and monkey arms is basically once you identify the bed, your next move is gonna be to wail your arms over your head, looking for contact with an upper bed or bed post or a bunk bed. So you're gonna you're gonna come off you're gonna come off the bed that you're searching. You're gonna wave your arms. You can picture how monkeys run, and uh, and and actually find the uh, location of an upper bed, uh, for lack of better terms. Uh, the numbers are actually in his favor. Uh, you guys know I'm a data-driven nerd uh, when it comes to like survivability and and writ stuff. So uh, I spent some time after talking to Tom, looking at the firefighter rescue survey, and the firefighter rescue survey is basically a big collection of about 1,600 rescues and grabs throughout the country, 
turned in by firefighters that were at the at the actual scene and made the grabs. And uh, Tom's rescue matched the data. I mean, almost to a T. Uh, the majority of the numbers found the victims on the floor or on the ground. I'm sorry. Uh, they found them in bedrooms. That's where Tom found his victim adjacent to the fire room. So not in the fire room. Uh, that's all. That was also true. The number one method used to find the victims was a split search nationwide out of 1600 rescues. So he actually conducted the perfect search to find that victim, which they split, not anchored search. Um, if that search is oriented, it increases the percentages higher because that's the number two most common form of uh, victim rescue this year out of 1600 grabs or so. And lastly, uh, the technique that he used, the VES, uh, it's actually number three on the list. But again, it worked out in his favor. Uh, it, he identified it and jumped in and did it. And the data and the number said that was awesome. And lastly, the way he brought the victim out via a ladder, that's the number two way of, you know, the actual survey, the firefighter rescue survey says that you're going to bring victims out when you do find them. So the numbers are tracking. Uh, everything he did that night actually met the numbers and the data being collected nationwide. So uh, the people listening that are training to that, my advice to you is to train to the highest common denominator. And uh, instead of focusing on crazy shit, you know, practice the basics until they look advanced and make sure you set your searches on bunk beds or in bedrooms, find your victims on the floor, split your searches, remain oriented and throw ladders and practice, practice getting victims out windows on ladders. Because uh, according to the data, that's exactly what's going to happen. And Tom is living proof. Well, and like he said, too, his his uh, his crew got split and they had some guys coming up the stairs, other guys throwing ladders. And when they came up the stairs, they were shut off by fire because they, mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, they were in front of the hose line. Not that mm -hmm. the guys were slow, but they might have, who knows what kind of obstacles they had to go through, you know? Mm -hmm. Tom, you there? Excellent. I'm here. You guys got me? Gotcha. Yeah, we got you. You're on a, yeah, you're you're on a slow delay, but we'll we'll work with it. Yo, none of this stuff happened pre-show. Is that crazy? Well, hang on just a sec. I think so, uh, Valerie. It's uh, firefighterrescuesurvey.com to uh, answer uh, David's uh, question where the survey is found. And if you guys don't go and just actually read through them you're doing yourself a disservice uh, you got you got all the time in the world while you're sitting at the station playing on your cell phone looking on facebook and everything invest in yourself and spend 15 minutes go through some of it read and uh there's a lot to be learned from those services and it looks like uh we just lost tom again hey uh <laughs> I don't know. Right. I don't know what station you're at, Herbie, but we don't have a lot of time to sit around and hang out. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're in the EOC. That, yeah, that's that, right. Bro. That's right. Right now. Um, hey, so I'm gonna do a little public uh, disclaimer right now. We're we're, we're gonna do a GoFundMe for uh, Captain Tom Johnson and get him uh, some adequate Wi-Fi up there in Colorado. Maybe it's a snowstorm, dude. We don't know. We don't have snow down here. But Bob looks like he's in the snow. It is cold in here, boys. This sign is keeping me warm. Where's the sign? 
It's uh, while 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 Tom's over here getting uh, his stuff squared away, um, we, myself, Greg, Rob, we we want to take a moment and just tell you guys how thankful you guys are for making this podcast what it is. Um, this is way way above what we ever thought it was going to be. Um, we thought we were just going to be sitting around having a few drinks, talking shop, and uh, literally our phones are going off every week. Hey, when's the next podcast? When's the next podcast? Um, if there's stuff you guys want us to hit on or, or certain guests you want us to bring on, send us an email, uh, info at nationalrescueconsultants.com, or reach out to any of us on social media, and, and we'll, we'll do our best to get the person on and uh, talk about it. Um, Shane Bentley, I was actually talking to him uh, a couple days ago, talking about bringing him on and uh, talking about just uh, doing our, our due diligence in the fire service of, of leaving it better than we found it. And uh, he's one of those guys that literally is leaving it better than he found it. So stuff like that, what, whatever you guys want, want us to touch on, that's what, that's what we're here for. Is he coming back on? I don't know. That that that, that counter is going real slow right now. Bro, is he on dial-up right now, or what, what's going on there? Dude, he's on like AOL hey, so, 3.0. Hey, so I do want to add something, too. When we're talking about um, we're talking about uh, VES, and, and we're talking about uh, the VES culture, and we're talking about search culture, and we're talking about search and rescue and all that, I think it's highly important to – Know how your guys, your crews, your adjacent stations, how aggressive they are, how they're going to search. So when you go in and do VES, that you're hitting every room, you're hitting every space, and you're not doubling up in two rooms and missing other rooms because there's too much smoke. Like they were saying, like they had some heavy smoke coming out of the the Bravo and the Delta side and all that, but... um if you listen to their podcast, it was like 45 minutes or so. The, um, they were, they were basically saying, Hey man, that's the worst room. That's the room we're going in. Like, that's like you said, that's varsity Rob to steal one of your words. That's, that's uh that's a good move. And that's the way it should be. Absolutely. Varsity move. Um, and you know what, it comes down to systems because systems, systems equal success. And I know I, I keep saying that, but I'm just going to go ahead and reference and go from the hip. Um, uh, about two shifts ago, um, I was listening to a fire in a neighboring city. Uh, one of our, actually, one of our firehouses went. So I turned the radio over attack channel, started listening to the fire. And right off the bat, it was obvious that they have systems in place and expectations were understood by all the companies arriving on scene. Because if I tell you that this, com this exact fire didn't go amazing on the radio, remember the radio and, and on scene is different, but talking to the guys on scene, it sounded pretty legit. Every arriving crew had an assignment. Uh, prior to getting there, the cruiser didn't have an assignment, took a search assignment. They VES at right immediately after the VES. I'm thinking in my mind, they're gonna need a secondary means of egress. Immediately after this, one crew said they're VESing, another crew assumed uh, ladders and started throwing ladders to the delta side of the building adjacent to where the crews were VESing ahead of the hose line. When the hose line got there, the water supply was already in place, uh, and it was just it went step by step. And that actual system only happens. When you have those reps put in, when you train together, when you create that common language, that common ground and trust amongst the companies. And uh, 
and it's a fun thing to listen to uh, when you're in a position uh, as, a, as a battalion chief or a chief officer or somebody who's running command for a fire and you have uh, those crews coming in and taking that approach and taking that incentive and grabbing the bull by the horns and filling the gaps, not just the benchmarks, but filling the operational gaps that they're identifying based on experience. Dude, it's a beautiful thing to watch and listen to. I actually enjoyed listening to the fire to the point where not that night because I stayed, they stay on the air till like one in the morning and I had to go to bed. But <laughs> the following day on my drive home, I texted and reached out to the incident commander and gave him kudos. And I was like, dude, you sounded A, amazing on the radio. And please tell me you guys train on this because every company officer that showed up at that fire and it sounded like a good working fire was on point and one step ahead of you on the radio. And, and he appreciated it. He did tell me that from day one, that's the way they train. And they kept it simple, but they made the advanced, I'm sorry, they made the basic sound advanced on the air and it shows and, and, and we should all be operating at that level. I do, um, I do appreciate the, uh, the positive output that you put out. Um, but, uh, mine is not that positive. Uh, Send I just it. heard from a neighboring, from a neighboring. Hey, Tommy, So now I'm trying the cell phone. I don't know. It actually looks better. And he sounds better too. Cell hey, you sound good. You look good. Yep. Tom, that that, that, works that's, that that cell phone makes you you just added ten pounds of muscle. <laughs> that's, the uh, yeah, that, that's the company phone. Yeah, it's company phone. Fit to find fire. All right. Let me put on my black T-shirt, look jacked, and now I'll go back on. All right. God. All right. All right, let's, fin so, let's finish the search like, already. We've been yeah, searching this room for hours. let's finish this nonsense. Right. Is it any better? Let me ask you that. Yeah, no, no, no. no. You, you literally sound perfect. And you're like, right. there's no, like, two-minute delay. It's perfect. All right, perfect. Let's let's get going. Let's uh, start this thing. Hey, do, hold on. Before we start, Herbie. Send some uh, dollars to his cricket so he can keep his. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there there are a few of my close friends that are that are probably making fun of me right now because they know you know like oh, cheap ass computer, cheap ass everything. Guess it's time to upgrade, right? Yeah, definitely. Well, hey, uh, so so you missed out. I actually just started a GoFundMe for you. To, to get you a decent uh, internet hey, service. That's a that's a touchy subject. I you know I don't know about starting any GoFundMe's anymore. So I don't know. Hey, yeah, yeah, you can't do any GoFundMe's anymore. Um, <laughs> we'll so, do it on the down low. Well, so when uh, when you left, we actually uh, we actually got uh, the picture up. We, we talked about it amongst us. Um, you, you were telling us about the uh, bunk beds. So if you just kind of want to pick up or touch on whatever you want to touch on, it's uh, we'll we'll run it from there. Yeah. Did you get Did you get any of it? Did I tell you how we 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 pretty much missed it and found out after the fire that there were bunk beds? Did you guys hear that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's like just a good learning experience. I mean, it's I talk about all these slides that popped into my head while I was arriving at the fire and then actually going in and doing the search. And now I've got another slide of, you know, it's, it's one of those things is like, I missed a bunk bed once. I won't miss it again. That, you know, that happens. And so hopefully somebody else can take from that. It's like, Hey, always search above, like, look, look for those kind of either the, the headrail or, um, 
you know, um, uh, foot rail and whatever, find it and then see if there's posts going up that hold it up, look for that ladder, maybe going up to the, the top of the bunk. Um, but it's just, just one of those learning experiences. But as I said before, we, you follow that arrow and you get into that second room. That's where we found the victim. John and I lifted her up to the window. We took her out the ladder and then we went back in and searched the rest of the apartment. And that's when it was, you know, that's when we knew we were getting close to the fire because that's where we had really high heat. Um, and we were looking for a door to isolate. And as it turns out, that door would have been that hallway door. Uh, but we were still able to get the, the search completed. And uh, eventually, after we did that primary search, we exited the same window we came in. You know, But one thing about that is we probably did that primary search like three times over. I just, I remember having these distinct conversations with Jonathan in there. Like we cannot miss anybody on this primary search. You know, we already found one person, but we can't miss anybody else. And so we were very thorough, uh, you know, to the point where we spent, you know, a good amount of time in there to where, where we were on Viber Alert when we came out, you know, it, it was that important to be in there because we knew the layout already and you couldn't see that if we had come out earlier just because we were low on air, it would have taken 10 minutes for another crew to get oriented to the space and, and they'd be searching a lot of the same areas we did that we just needed to get it done and make sure that that primary search was complete and there was no other victims. Hey, um, just to add to that, something you said in there, the, um, do you think your vibe alert was going off because your uh, your new guy had to tell you to calm your breathing down, or <laughs> how did that work? We it would have got off a lot sooner if hadn't he told me, right? Right. Oh, that's that was one of the best stories of the entire thing. I think. I mean, it's just awesome. You know, uh, just being at the window, the three of us sitting there, and he says that, and one guy thinks it's to him, and you know, instinctively, a lot of people they don't want to be told to slow your breathing down, right? They don't want to, nobody wants to be the excited guy, but. You know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, we were doing a lot of work um, and, you know, lifting her up. That was that was a very taxing thing. So as much as I wanted to slow my breathing down, um, you know, it was kind of tough at that moment. But it was I mean, he did remind me when we were at the sill. It was like, oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Slow it down. You Man, know, that, that's what, uh... a, what a great thing. You know, like I I. I'm, I'm just glad it happened. I mean, I just, uh, that's one of those things that in the moment you, uh, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget that moment for the rest of my career. Yeah. That's money. What a great moment, man. And that's, that's, uh, and I don't, I don't know the full backstory, but one of the, one of the guys that you trained that came up. So it's kind of like, you know, grasshopper telling the mentor, Hey man, calm down for a second. You know what I mean? Take a deep breath. I get it. Yeah. And you know, I got to, I got to tell a little bit about this guy. This is a guy who went through our Academy and, you know, we have some awards for whether it's academic or physical or just, just a basic instructor's choice. This guy swept the board. Okay. So he went through the Academy and just put his head down and did his thing. Um, He initially went to a station where John was at. And so John Sparrow spent a lot of time with him as a probationary firefighter. And, this whole thing of going to firemanship with us, that's a great story too, because it was probably five or six days before we were scheduled to go out to Portland and we had our cadre all figured out. 
and he was either working a trade or overtime at, at my station, which was a double company house. So we were out training together. Uh, it was maybe the second or third time we worked together and we were doing some evolutions and getting after it and training hard. And I just said, Hey, what are you doing next week? And he goes, I don't know. I'm, I got a Kelly day. So I got some time off. Hey, you want to come to Portland? I'll pay for your flight. You can be in our class. And so that's kind of how it happened. You know, he cleared the schedule. And he said, I got nothing going on. So uh, we paid for a slide out there and they end up participating in this 24 hour class with us, which, you know, was an amazing experience for all of us anyways. But to see him out there, he, this is the guy that like doesn't ever want to be left out. If somebody's training or somebody's doing something fire related, he's going to be the guy that, that is going to say, Hey, don't leave me out. Tell me what you're doing. I'm, I'm going to be right there with you guys. And I mean, he okay. crushed it, man. I mean, to, to be part of a cadre that goes for 24 hours and you're in your gear for 20 hours of it and you're training the entire time, I mean, we had to fight to keep up with him sometimes. I like that too, man. That's uh, that's um, that's the epitome of what we do. You know what I mean? Well, I think somebody was talking about legacy, right? When were you guys talking about legacy in the fire service a little earlier when I was, you know, had my dial up going? <laughs> yeah. 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 We were talking about the legacy. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big thing. You know, if, if, if I think of legacy, one of the things I think is take people with you and that's what mm -hmm. I and John and all of us, you know, fit to fight fires. We've, we've always tried to, anytime we do something, we just try to take people with us. And I looked at it, that as a great opportunity to take a guy who's super invested in the job, who may not have the opportunity to go to conferences. And it's like, okay, well, if we can provide the vehicle for him to get an experience that he'll never forget. And ultimately, I think he would say too, that help prepare him for this call and many more to come. You know, that's what it's all about, right? Man, what an investment on your part. Like you invested to get that guy out there. And, and, and he like didn't he, he obviously did not come up short of your expectations and then you're standing across the windowsill from this guy and he's telling you exactly what you told him back in the day you know what I, I mean? know, right I just yep. I just hate people like yep. that <laughs> I know right yeah you hate him so much you got to surround yourself with him every day right I know it's perfect that, that's an awesome Absolutely. story I heard that today man and I was like that is good shit that is exactly why we do it that's actually very cool. Uh, a lot of people think that the only way you're going to do good in the fire service is if you find yourself a mentor. But in reality, if you do good, a mentor will find you. And and Tom just mentioned that he you know he's talking about he saw this kid was high speed. He identified this kid was like ready to go, all laid up with the job, and he brought him along for the ride. Said, hey, let's go to firemanship. And he invested in him, and he got a, his ROI. You know, his return on investment was immediate almost. And and what a great experience for Tom, but what a great experience for that kid to be able to, you know, put into play real time, game time, all the time that Tom and his cadre have put into him. So that had to be as rewarding for him as it was for Tom. Yeah, yeah he was, cool. you know, he, he's such a humble, he's such a humble man that, I mean, he, he came to me after the call and, you know, it was almost like, he would have, I think we both felt mutual respect for each other. Um, I couldn't have chose anybody else to be in there with. I think he f would feel the same way, you know, so it's just one of those things. And, and 
you don't get to that point with any other individual unless you've learned to trust them in training, unless you, you know, you know, I saw him bury himself in trainings and then for 24 hours straight, I knew this is the guy that I wanted to be in the foxhole with, you know, that's, that's who I want to be with, you know, and there's, there's, there's many guys I know of that I would do the same with. He was one of them. I have a quick follow up on that. Um, and I apologize for calling him a kid. That's a bad habit. Uh, he's, he's a man and a grown he's man. younger than it's us. All right. it's, good. it's good for him. Fire service years, uh, not life years. Um, question, Tom. Uh, did your performance inside that evening uh, change good, better, bad, or indifferent uh, because of who you were with? The, the, the fact that you had trained with this person, the fact that you trusted him, the fact that you knew that this is the guy you wanted to be in the trenches with versus a, a someone who's just floating through the firehouse or uh, someone who's not, you know, into the job or on the job. Would that have, have affected your your comfort or your trust, you know, in zero visibility, looking for a victim, going past that door, uh, splitting your search? Oh, most, most definitely. You know, that's one thing that I recall going through that fire and, you know, going in the window quick little conversation with him of what our plan was, but I didn't really worry about him one bit. I was able to focus on my job. I'm sure he was focusing on his. Uh, I can't really tell you what was going through his head because I don't know if he'd been in that situation before with those conditions. I had a few times before, you know, Mm -hmm. that'd be a question for him. But for me, you know, if I had a new firefighter in there or a firefighter that I hadn't trained with, then I'm worried about them, right? As, as a company officer, for sure, I'm telling a guy to go in there. I've got to make sure that he doesn't get himself into a situation that he shouldn't get into, right? Um, yep. I'm the one with experience, and so I've got to be that guy. Now, in this particular case, man, it just it goes back to the trust again. It's huge. And... I didn't think twice about what he was doing. I knew he was doing what he needed to do. He had he had goals when he went in the win, in the window. He knew what type of search we were doing. He knew there were people inside. He knew we had a job. You know that that's the big part of it. And I just didn't have to worry about it. So it changed. It definitely changed my method of operation going in. You know, I was able to focus more on the hands-on search and move quicker through the rooms rather than constantly having to check in with him and see where he's at. And I, I totally understand where you're coming from. The reason I ask that question is, is, is I've been there myself in both scenarios where I've been with someone backseat who who maybe wasn't as high speed or caught up as the next guy. And and my tactics changed because I had to baby him more or, or watch out for him more or manage risk for him more. You know, maybe risk management is a better word. I had to manage their risk more because I wasn't confident they knew what they were getting into. And, and you know, these are these are situations that, that are you know, low frequency and high risk. And, and it's my job as a company officer, just as yours and Greg's, to make sure that these guys you know, get home in one piece in the morning. But then I've also had the same different situation, and I never dropped names on here, but with one of my firemen, uh, Frankie Herrera, and where we couldn't find the fire. And I wasn't really sure where I was. And I was comfortable enough to leave him and take off on my own, knowing that he'd be okay on his own and handle his face and get back to him and we meet somewhere. And either he's going to find it or I'm going to find that we have zero visibility, but I had no problem leaving him because I had built that trust you talked about because we put in the reps, we put in the hours in gear, and I knew what he was capable of. So I can totally 
uh, I feel you on that one, brother. And, uh, and, you know, kudos to you again for, you know, investing in, and for your getting your return on investment. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, I think we checked in with each other maybe twice before the victim, you know, so we, we entered the uh, structure and I remember saying, Hey, you go this way, I'll go that way. We met at the door to go into the hallway and then we took a right and we went into the other bedroom and, and that was really it. It's like, we met at the door. I said, okay, I'm going out. I'm going to find the other bedroom. And I found it right away. And then I said, I'm going in this other bedroom. And that was really the only conversation we had inside up until finding the victim, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome, man. What do you got, Greg? Now, so uh, going back to the backseat intuition, I really like that statement. And, and I'm probably going to beat it up a little bit. And before your, uh, your, your Wi-Fi was just a little spotty, but, but I want to hit it again because I feel that is so important, and especially what you're talking about right now with him the segue into that is that 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 backseat so basically this encompasses both of our all three of our answers for the most part so the backseat intuition if you can't trust that guy or person that's back there then you have to baby him just like rob said and i've been in that i, I probably have been the babied guy when i was coming up and then now i get no. to the point too with brand new guys that are coming on with our job so I do think teaching them uh, or, or at least in like enlightening them on things we got to do, getting them so it's not a freelance when I, when, you, when I split. If you go to the Bravo and I go to the Delta, it's not a freelance. I'm teaching you to get it. I'm teaching you to understand what we're looking at, what we're doing. And when you see the conditions, even if it's a mediocre light smoke and you split them then, when they do come on that big fire like you went on, like you said, you said a few words to this guy, and you guys were on the same page all the way through and saving that lady's life. I mean, to me, that is what it's all about. That, like, that is the exclamation point, the mic drop, whatever you want to call it. That is it right there. But to add to that, it doesn't end there. Like the next day, the next shift, it's like, oh, we got the grab. We're going to kick back, turn our hats backwards and just, just hang out. No, you push harder because the next time you know what to do. You want to pass that on. You want to make that viral. You want to spread that to everybody, in my opinion. did did So how do you bounce back from that, Tom? Or did you? Are you still, you know, how does it work? Well, I mean, let's let's talk about just getting back to the station that night. I mean, how much adrenaline was was going on at that fire? You know, that that carries you through, you know, say an hour to an hour and a half of ten, intense work. Uh, I can remember getting back to the station, shower, and all that stuff. Right? I had, I had it was five a.m. I had two hard cups of coffee. You know, <laughs> this is like strong stuff. And then I and then I went right to bed after the coffee. So that's how tired I was. So. You know, going into the next day, I mean, it, it's like what you talk about, Greg. Everything you train for has now just been confirmed. You know, it is going to happen. It did happen. It's going to happen again, probably. And so, really, for me, now it's just almost easier, you know, staying motivated and getting after it because it's oh, like, yeah. well, I know it's going to happen now. You know, I know it's – I know – now I know it's going to happen. And yeah. – are there things I could do better? Yeah. I mean, I look at that. I replay that call all the time. There's some things that I could do better. And so that's what motivates me to 
keep getting after it, you know? Yeah, I mean, that solidifies. That solidifies everything you, we, that, that we all do. That just solidifies, like, listen, this works. I have data. I created data to make this, that this works. Um, I, I know, I know we talked about that this is a uh, kind of under investigation and everything, but are we, um, a, as the public, are we ever going to be able to like, kind of hear all the audio through and through and kind of how things went down? Or do you think that's going to be wrapped up for a while? Uh, I think so. You know, one thing that, um, you know, the news stations out here have done a couple features on, uh, the victim we rescued. So I, I know I can freely share that, you know, what, what this mother did is uh she was in the apartment with her children and her i presume her husband uh, but he jumped out first so he jumped out first and she threw the kids to him she dropped the kids down to him and then she went down so you know hearing hearing that you know a few days later you know that's that's tough to hear you know you almost think man i was better off not knowing (laughs) you know it was better off not knowing it was, it helped me kind of just, I guess, compartmentalize the rescue mm-hmm. and the job from the human aspect of it. But, you know, in reality, you know, that's, that's someone's daughter, someone's wife, you know, someone's mom, you know, they now lost, but I mean, it will talk, you know, you want to talk about her- heroism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mother's love. It will do stuff like that. Right. So, you know, that, that's really the story behind her is, uh, you know, I wish we would have got there sooner, you know, to be honest, uh, you, you solidified her intentions. You know what I mean? She did everything she could do. And then you guys scooped her up, man. That's, that's how it's supposed to go. You know what I mean? Like, that's awesome. That, that is, uh, like I said, man, I applaud you guys. I, I wanted to get, I wanted to, if it was up to me when you guys were getting off shift, I would have had you on the podcast that morning, but I know that was probably a little too early. So um, I, I'm glad that it's still fresh, and I hope your guys are listening, man. Kudos to your entire crew, man. Like, a lot can be learned from that, a lot. Even the new guy that told you, you know, hey, calm your breathing down. And and uh, and I actually want to – I really want to meet the dude that karate kicked the ladder off. You know what I mean? That's, uh, <laughs> that, that's badass. Yeah, I, that's I definitely, urban le- I need, that guy is a legend. I got to buy him a beer too. So I owe, I owe Bentley a beer and I owe this guy a beer. So that that that'll be one of those fire stories when you're when you're thirty years from now and you're like, man, you know what? I heard a story of a guy who just karate kicked the ladder. You're gonna be like, man, get the hell out of here. That didn't happen. It's gonna be like, no, no, no. Hold on, let me call yeah. Tom real quick. Yeah, we'll all be in nursing homes and, and we'll put it on speakerphone and he'll just be telling the story and and, and that's it. But uh. Three months from now, it'll be on YouTube. Him just karate kicking and blowing his knee out. I don't even know uh, if it's true or not. <laughs> hey, Tom. So, I, I, I know you touched on it a tad bit uh, about how you drink two cups of strong coffee. Um, but let the guys know because because there are some guys that are listening right now that don't get the runs, that aren't getting the serious calls that we all want to run. What was the what was the overall feel of your firehouse and, and you being in charge? Like, what what were some of the things that you did to make sure that the guys were okay and and the morale of the station was as good as it could be due to the situation? Well, this 
this crew and this whole night was very unique in that, uh, you know, I, this isn't my normal house, right? So I'm normally on a different ladder company and middle of the shift, I got moved up to this station. So that's kind of the other part to the story is I got moved up to this station in the middle of the shift and this isn't my normal crew. None of these guys I work with on a daily basis. On And I, I roved into a double company house, so none of these guys. Now, I had spent, a, a, you know, a few of the recent months with them just on some training. But, you know, this isn't, again, it's when it's not your normal crew, It's it can be tough, right? So yeah, that's where the training becomes so big again. Like this, we, I, I honestly think, you know, we got lucky. The north end of the city got lucky that night with the fact that we had trained together and that this crew was put together because we were, we were, you know, two, at least two of us, you know, Jonathan and I, we aren't stationed there. You know, um, Jack got moved to the truck. He's not normally on the truck. So when I say, like, I saw kind of Rob, you, you kind of looked the other way when I said lucky. I'm, when I say lucky, I mean like Mm -hmm. it just, the citizens, I feel you know, lucked out that we had all worked together and trained together before. And so that when right. we got on this fire, you know, we trusted each other. That that was a big part of it because had it just been kind of anybody that I, I hadn't even worked with before, you know, guys that I barely knew, this whole thing changes. We talked about it before. It, it The outcome definitely is different. You read that, Herb? No. Yeah, I was reading that. Um, so, so totally agree with that, and and with the fact that you harped on, you trained with them and everything. But w- let the guys know what was the what was the overall when you guys got back to the station. How how was that for the crew? Was was there with, with the big push in the fire service right now? Everything is hey, let's talk about our feelings and everything. Was there any of that? Was there a high fives like like, and not not trying to downplay anything at all, um, but everybody handles things different ways, and you being a company officer, you got to kind of adapt to that, and you got to kind to you you have to cater to everybody. So was there anything that that you had to do that was maybe that you weren't prepared for? outside of that call going back into the firehouse you know not in this case because most of the crew at this firehouse uh they're all vets you know they're veterans and so they've probably seen a lot more than i have um you know it's it's one of those things it's like how do you make sure your guys are okay and in this particular case you know i know these guys personally so over the next day or two reached out to him and saw, you know, checked in, see how, how you guys are doing. Uh, you know, even that night, I'm really good at just when guys perform, you know, to that such a high level and they do great things like that they train to do, those are the times to recognize them. I, I think what those guys needed more that night, which what I gave them was the recognition of like, yeah, you guys, you guys kicked ass, yep. you know? And I remember telling DJ who was at the top of the ladder, cause I didn't really know it was him until we came back down out of the search. But I was like, was that you at the top of the ladder? 
And I remember watching him take the victim down. It didn't look easy. You know, it looked like it looked like a very hard task. And the last thing you want to do is drop a victim off a ladder. Right. So that's like that's one of those things in life. You know, that one of those instances where you cannot fail. Right. Because everything goes to waste then. Right. Oh, yeah. So we found a victim. We got her out. Oh, then the fire department dropped her from like third story ladder. That's not good. Right. So through all that pressure, I mean, these guys performed, they, they killed it. And that was my biggest thing over the next like day or two is just making sure send, send them a group text of just proud to be part of that crew that night. You know, you guys made a difference there and, uh, you know, couldn't, couldn't, uh, you know, imagine doing it with anybody else. You know, um, I think really one thing that helped a few guys around there was actually doing our podcast that we just put out you know, be able to talk through the call, you know, mm-hmm. we edited it down, but at the same time, we had a lot of conversation for a few hours that day talking about it and just rehashing it. And, and I think that was really probably one of the most beneficial things that we did. And, uh, if, if the guys are out there listening and, and you haven't listened to it, it is a phenomenal podcast to go listen to. Because they talk through every single step of that call. And you, you guys are listening to what we're talking about. It literally paints the picture perfectly. And uh, hats off to you guys because you guys did one hell of a job painting that picture of every single thing that happened on that call. Like, like you made it seem like we were right there. Um, hats off to you. Could not say anything less about it. It, it was uh, well done. I, I realistically think that you guys could have talked three hours about that. I mean, you could have dissected everything. I was kind of bummed that it was 45 minutes. But, I mean, within that 45 minutes, I mean, if you're taking notes, you'd have had to pause it and write notes down. I mean, it was it was good. 100%. Yeah, and I, I all your crew, too. I mean, like, those guys just – the, the humility those guys had, they were just kind of like, yeah, I uh, can't remember who it was, Jonathan or somebody was like, yeah, I really didn't do anything. I was kind of just holding the ladder. Was just yeah, there. that's the guy that did That's the guy that did yeah. some of the most work on the fire ground, you know? It's just – Legit. Yeah, man. but you're right. But I mean, he, that's, that's how we keep training, right? You know, find the most humble guys because we talk about it. There's two types of firefighters, those that are humble and those are that are about to be, you know? And the quicker you humble yourself and know that you don't know everything and that you could be better, like you can always get better every day, the quicker you're going to get better. It, it's, 100%. Funny, it's funny that he was that way because when he was like, yeah, I was on the ladder, I took her down, I, I moved her over to the other crease of my arm because some, I'm like, dude, that guy – like that was the exclamation point in that call, you know, because like you said, if he would have dropped or he had no plan or just whatever, it would have been like, well, all that other stuff that went good on the inside was bad now, you know? So he, he, yep. did, he definitely exactly. held it together and I did appreciate his attitude about it. Dude, you know, what's funny that we all watched the podcast or listened to it and we all took the same thing. I actually, that guy, I, I wish I could have talked to him during the podcast because I was like, dude, every good fireman that puts in the time wants to be in the arena, right? We all know that because every one of us wants to be there. We don't want anyone's shit to burn, but if it does, I want to be the guy there. And so I felt him when he told me that he threw the ladder and the other guy went up and that he was the most useless guy on the fire scene. But the, the guys that are on RIT 
feel that way often. You get assigned Ritter Rick, you're like, shit, you know, Ritter Rick, what am I doing? But shit, that should be the most important job to you at that moment because you're the most important person on that fire scene. The guy that's healing the hose line, that third or fourth guy on the hose line, making sure that the nozzle man and the backup guy get to the fire. That heel is the most important guy on that hose line. He's the motor. Without him, you're not going to get to point A, to point B, to point C. That guy healing the ladder, same thing. And the further you are from the nozzle, it's been said a bunch of times, the further you are from the nozzle, the more important you are to the scene. You hear that often. Sometimes it's true, sometimes it's not. I think it's something written for chief officers. But the further you are from that (laughs) nozzle, the the more important you are to the success of the fire scene. And um, and it's funny because when he was talking about that, I was laughing, uh, listening to the podcast, and thinking, man, this guy guy is so humble because he is such an important part of this scene. And he did some high-speed varsity level shit. I agree. I agree. Yeah, he wanted to go up that ladder. You know, he wanted to go up that ladder. And then when he wasn't the guy to go up, I mean, he's the one who then made it through those burning stairs again up to the third floor, was stopped by a wall of fire, no hose line still in place, and tried to get through that fire. And then the hose line opened up. And, you know, everybody knows what happens when the hose line opens up and you're in close quarters. So, but, you know, he audibled. You know, and that's probably the biggest thing that I took from that fire when you guys wanted to talk about backseat intuition. There's the backseat guy that went from outside rescues to throwing a ladder to I was going to be yes, now I'm not. And I'm going up a ladder as his officer and he just makes the decision, well, I got to get interior. Well, not to mention, not to mention those guys – uh, that uh, until you listen to the podcast, those guys helped catch the hydrant. Yep. Right? Was it? Didn't they stretch a line uh, help the engine company? Well, that was that was part of the the second arriving engine company. You know, so what you're talking about is a double company house that we responded together. So, um, you know, one of the guys, DJ, he was on the engine that night. So yeah, he was going everywhere. You know, he's the one who. Uh, move the second ladder over to take the victim out. But the initial ladder that we threw was thrown by a backseater, Jack Thompson. And then, of course, Jonathan went up the ladder, and that's where he was talking about. I wish I was the one going up. you know. But then Jack made the decision standing there, well, I could just stand here on the outside or I could go make a difference on the inside and search on the inside. And he ended up getting part of the third floor searched and all the second floor searched. you know. Yeah, and that's not freelancing, man. That's because they get it. They know what needs it's to be done. The- it's getting the it job sounds done. Pretty useless. Absolutely. Sounds pretty Absolutely. useless to me. <laughs> All right, Roberto. Don't, didn't you have uh, something? No, I'm going to move on. I want to talk about uh, other aspects of this. Uh, in the book Mindset, I'm going to go ahead and plug your book again. In the book mm-hmm. Mindset, you guys you guys break things down to uh, purpose, belief, mindset, responsibility. And all those combined affect your performance, whether it's, your, whether it's stretching, advancing, searching, doing truck work, engine work. Can you tell us or the people listening – how all these attributes you talk about in your book came together when you were figuratively uh, tapped on the shoulder that night and you and your crew were able to put it all together and, and, and do what had to be done. Yeah. If you go through our book and I don't actually have one in front of me, but most of the terms you mention are, are the titles, the chapters, right? And, correct. you know, before, before I can even myself as a firefighter can show up that night and do what needs to be done you know, I've got to have my purpose established, you know, whether it's my purpose at home as a father or my purpose at at work as a firefighter, right? I've got to know what I'm there to do and why I'm there to do it, you know? And so with the purpose, 
it builds on everything else, right? Purpose builds that belief. The belief is that we need to have our best day on their worst day, right? And it doesn't happen just because we say we want it to happen. It happens because we train and we work to make it happen. Okay. So with that belief, knowing that, you know, um, you know, I'd want myself rescuing me. Like if I can say that and believe in that, then I'm doing what I need to do on the front end. Right. I've taken that purpose. I've created this belief. And then it's that mindset, right? It's that mindset of, you know, I'm okay to fail if I'm pushing the envelope but I shouldn't have any reason to fail. I should never fail on the fire ground because of lack of preparation. And so that mindset is the biggest thing that, 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 that kind of powers everything. Right. You know, they always say that like when you're about to quit, the mind says you're going to quit, but your body's really capable of like seven times more output, you know? So it's really overcoming all those times you want to quit and building that mental toughness which forms that mindset we talk about. And really it comes down to getting to that last chapter in our book, right? It's that, mm-hmm. that training to win because if you're, you're just going out and training, just going through the motions uh, somebody brought it up earlier. I think it was you, Rob, you talked about mastering the basics till they become advanced. Yeah. I mean, mastering the basics means that it's going to be very monotonous at times. It's going to feel like you're doing the same thing every day, but guess what? You know, when I played baseball growing up into college, I played catch every single day, right? I threw bullpens twice a week, you know, hitters are hitting every single day, right? That's the way the sports world works. And we're, we are tactical athletes. It works the same way in firefighting. If you don't throw a ladder for three weeks, you're going to be rusty. You know, if you never do any training in your gear, when you get on the fire ground, that gear is going to be a problem for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you never breathe down a bottle and work hard, you know, work for that 20 plus minutes on a fire, then you're going to last five minutes. Cause if you train for five minutes and then, and then quit, you're going to last that much on the fire ground. So it's that training to win, you know? And so we've built on all that. I built on all that my entire career. And when I train, I train to win. And, you know, I think it's, I'm not going to be the one to say whether I won that night or not, but you know, I was ready. I was ready, you know, and, um, that's, that's all I could really do. You know, I did as much preparation as I could to be ready for something like that. That's a great answer. I'm going to, um, I'm going to add something a little geeky. Hopefully there's not a lot of people listening, but, um, so the last couple of days I've been, uh, I always do a bunch of Christmas lights around my house. I know this is kind of off the, off the topic for a second. But um, I threw a ladder probably 25 times and uh, probably, I don't want to give you guys too much credit, but let's call it 10 times. I was like, all right, how did these guys, how did these clowns out in Colorado throw this ladder for this VES? So I'm slinging ladders like I'm rescuing people when I'm throwing Christmas lights here, thinking about what you guys did and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, to me, this is practice. You know what I mean? I'm throwing ladders. I'm hanging lights. I'm being kind of nerdy in the neighborhood, but I'm also practicing for my job too. And I'm throwing one of those heavy ass fiberglass ladders, bruise on your shoulder times two days. So I want to give you, um, so some of the Christmas lights in my, in my neighborhood, Tom are dedicated to you and your crew. (laughs) 
He hung up. Oh, did we lose him? I guess he doesn't like Christmas. Tom doesn't like Christmas, bro. You know what? Doing so good. My bad, dude. Tom is the Grinch of Christmas, right there. Done. Tom the Grinch Johnson. No, so it's. I, I I know I know we had a uh, some, some hiccups with uh, with his audio and everything, but the the humbleness of him and listening to the podcast of, of his crew and, and and the three of us have talked about it. Just the humbleness of those guys being in the big arena, and they all they all stepped up to the plate that day. That's huge, and and that's all that we could ask for as the three of us being company officers. That's all you can ask for from your guys. And when your guys step up to the arena, when it comes time to 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 do the big job, and everyone performs as a company officer, that that makes you step back and be like, man, you know what? I, I, I'm doing something right. And the reality is, we don't get to do that all the time. There, none of us are running fires like we want to. None of that. But the moment that we get to see our crew do what we've trained on for so often, and they step up to the plate, as company officers, we have to step back and be like, "Man, you know what? That that's amazing." Like. That's what everything that we've done poured heart and soul into. And, and, and don't take it as a company officer because the, the four of us sitting on the screen right now, we've learned more from our guys than they've probably learned from us. And, and, and that's the reality of it. 100%. You back with us, Tom, or what? I am, yeah. It was a good time to... To cut out for a second because I needed to get a charger for my phone. You know, more problem. Hey, hey, I'm hey, good now. Hey, hey listen, we, we thought you had to uh, call call your little phone card, upload your minutes in there. Like we, we didn't know what was happening. <laughs> that should we be got, my we, care we're package, care right? Tom. Tom, whatever hey, you hey, got. Hey, on my care package, I promise right. you, there's going to be at least 500 free minutes on a card. This guy's done 50 more podcast episodes than us. <laughs> uh, I got nothing to say. <laughs> Oh, it's that's good amazing. stuff. What's hey, that? Hey, amazing. Hey, hey, he sabotaged us. That's all it is, dude. That's it. Love it. Hey, Tom, you hit on a lot of things, man. There you go, uh, yep. I'm going to go back to your answer. I loved your answer uh, to the question. You, you touched on purpose. You talked. You touched about. You touched on mindset, responsibility. You talked about. Uh, you talked about it, but I call it skill erosion. I mean, you talked about skill erosion. Every day that comes between you and a rep, you know, is eroding. I, I, I picture in my mind when I talk about days. And shifts going by without throwing a ladder, without getting your gear on, without masking up, without stretching a line. In my mind, I'm sitting on a beach of information and skills, and every wave that comes in is pulling it with it. And it's my job to fight those waves every single day. And if I skip a shift, if I skip two shifts, it eats me up to the point where it's bothering me inside. And I get to work, and, and every little thing bothers me if I can't get to train with my guys because I understand the importance of that. And, 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 I, and I took that a lot, a lot of that from you guys. And, and seeing what Fit to Fight Fire is doing and talking about mindset. So kudos to you guys, man. Uh, when you train the way that you guys talk about training, on the other side of that suffering, there's confidence building 
and you're, you're creating uh, comfortability. So the gear doesn't matter, the mask doesn't matter, the masking up doesn't matter, the heavy ladder doesn't matter. Just another day in, on the job. Um, a buddy of mine, Pablo, was commenting earlier. You know, he talks about it. he throws ladders every day at work. So when he's on a scene and he throws a ladder in gear with his mask on and his fire gloves on, on or off air, he never thinks about how hard it is. He never thinks about how uncomfortable he is or how, or how hot it is or how heavy the ladder is. It's just another ladder to throw. And, and it's up to us to make everything that we do in our profession just another ladder to throw. If I'm in a house and I'm worried about how hot I am in my gear or how my pants don't fit me right or I can't get my hood up or I can't get my mask on, or that's the last thing I should be thinking about on a fire ground. If I'm ever in that position, I fail to prepare for that situation. And that's on me. And, and I commend you on that, man. You guys have really uh, done a great job um, making the fire service aware of this, and, and myself included. Yeah, it's one of those things that you just try to show up every day. I mean, there's there's so many times with everything you got going on in life, you know, that you show up and you're like, man, I, I could like take a day off, you know? And mm -hmm. that goes in all parts of our lives, right? talked about earlier whether it's a as a father or personally or professionally whatever you just got to continue to say all right I know I don't want to be here or I know I don't want to do this but I got to do it because it's what I said mm -hmm. I would do right because I committed to you know I, I swore the oath when, when I got hired or I I told my wife you know till death do us part or I decided to have kids, you know, those commitments, like they're never easy. None, none of it's ever easy, but you just got to move forward, right? One step in front of the other, some of those days. I mean, we all have the high seasons of our career where it's easy to get motivated. And then we have the low seasons of our career. I've been through them. I'm not immune to them. You know, there's, there's some months that go by in my career where, man, it's, it's tough. It's tough going to work just, other circumstances around, you know, that, that going on and you just, you just power through and you just realize, all right, what's the number one mission? The mission is them. All right. I can focus on that. You know, I can focus yep. on that for 24 hours, you know, and that, that can, that can keep us disciplined to, to stay yep. the course. Work fixes everything. The, um, hey, uh, let, let's, I, I want to drop back to a, a, a task level. Um, just to kind of clear up the picture a little bit, uh, I don't mean to regress, but when um, when your guys threw the ladder on the side, would um, did they throw? It's kind of hard to see the size of the building. I get if, if they're standard heights, if they're eight foot ceilings and all that, but did they throw a thirty five? And did they do it with um, two guys, or how, how did they throw your thirty five to that third? And how steep was it? I know the shed was no. a little in the way. The the twenty four foot extension ladder got to those third story windows, so they okay. were just single right. man throws. Okay. Yep. Cool. That's uh that that was the only thing I had. I just wanted to kind of clarify that. Yeah, but you got. I mean, hats off to you, man. I I, I know, I know everyone. You surround yourself. Uh, me being a captain of a station, I'm a captain of a uh, a station. It's a specialty station. Um, I. I feel like my job's easy because my crew is so solid and I feel that you kind of were in the same deal because your crew was on point. But the fact that, um, you still quarterbacked it, people don't understand that 
one little term, one little thing, one little point in the right direction can can change the game a little bit. You know what I mean? From the from the experiences, the company officers doing all that, and then that trickles all the way down to the newest guy because you're let's say you're doing so much getting it going people trap confirm on plugging your new guy or your your firefighter said hey man take a deep breath you know what i mean like he went back to the basics because that's where he's at and and that just kind of solidified the whole operation and and i think that's a that that's a killer point to take to take from your new guy and that's a killer point to take that there's a lot of stuff going through the company officer's mind pushing down and when you guys meet in the middle it just works just works hey uh hey tom you still with us he's moving but hey tom give him a second Damn, that was such a good line too I'm going to give him some cricket minutes real quick. Hold on, I got my phone right here. Let me get some cricket minutes for him. Hey, Tom. All right. Tom, blink once if you want to be here. <laughs> he didn't blink, boys. All right. Total sabotage. He's sabotaging us. Dude, I can't wait to go on Fit to Fight Fire. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to stare. Even though I got good Wi-Fi, I'm just going to stare at the camera the whole time. Just like that. <laughs> all right, you boys, know what I noticed? So all, his, all his pauses are like sexy pauses. Yeah, you they get an ugly pause. Yeah, that bro, was me, I mean, <laughs> bro, my man does not have an ugly face, bro. No, um, that's a beautiful man. Hey, so we 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 definitely got a lot to take back from Tom. Uh, the feedback that I've been getting on a uh, text message. And through the comments, have been fucking phenomenal. Um, hopefully, we can get him back on when his uh, his Wi-Fi gets back up. Uh, it seems like he's right here. We're gonna kind of wind this down. Hey, Tom, you with us? I'm here. All right. So we're uh, we're gonna wrap this up, but I got one question to ask you. Man, I had such a okay. killer statement, too, in the end, and your phone froze. You know, I'm not repeating myself anymore. I'm done with you, Tom. <laughs> he can watch it later. It's okay. Right. I, I sense the frustration. I'm sorry, guys. No, 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 no. You're good, brother. You're good. Um, hey, Tom, so I got one thing to ask you, and then we'll, we'll let you go. I know you got some kid issues, and so do we. Uh, what's Wi-Fi, the one Wi-Fi thing, issues. What is the one thing you want to leave the fire service with? What, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Man, I, uh, I've actually had to think about that a lot lately uh, in the past, like, year or two. Um, you know, but really, I want to leave it with people who knew me, who worked with me, knew of me, whatever. Whatever stories they tell about me, it's that he wasn't afraid to stand up and do the right thing. Right? When, when everybody else thought it was wrong, it was still right, and I still did the right thing. You know, not afraid to stand up and defend for what's right. That's what I hope my legacy is. You know, that, there's a lot that goes into that, but uh, you know, it's you, you, life's struggles, so to speak, and adversity. Mm-hmm. I think get you to a point where you uh, 
you know, you think about stuff like that of like, okay, well, what's, what's really important to me in life? What, what is something that I really want to leave the world with leave my kids with, you know, whoever, whoever is in my inner circle, they know me about, you know, that's, that's what I want to do is like, Hey, this is a guy that no matter what, you know, he'll stand up and do what's right. Well, that's awesome. It's uh, Rob has your book. I have your book. Um, Greg's getting your book right now. Sorry, I'm a little behind. It, a little behind Rob. It's uh, what what <laughs> what you guys are doing for the fire service is phenomenal. Um, and I'm not just saying that to to blow smoke up your butt. It's uh, truly phenomenal. Um, the the three of us we always talk about leading leading from the front. It's uh, don't say nothing that you're not going to do. And uh, obviously, you were called uh, that night, and you showed that, hey, look, it's just not a T-shirt and a sticker that I'm wearing. I truly believe in everything I'm selling you, and I'm doing it with you. Um, hats off to you, man. And uh, I truly appreciate you coming on here and uh, spend spending some time with us and talking to us. It's uh, it, It's been greatly appreciated. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me. Sorry about the troubles, but uh, hopefully we, we made something that was listenable. Oh, absolutely. No, I, absolutely. I, um, I want to add, too, that um, I'm, all, I'm always thumbing through. I'm, I'm, I'm every day on shift. Uh, guys have some chill time or whatever. I go read an article. I read the firefighter survey. Uh, I read the NIOSH reports. It's just kind of a nerdy thing that I do. Um, uh, I knew of fit to fight fire. I've, I've scanned through, scanned through your things, uh, here and there. But, um, after listening to, uh, the way you guys handle stuff and the way you guys do stuff and actually talking to you and texting with you on the phone and just, you know, just talking here and there. And then after the podcast, um, you guys, uh, you got another fan, man. And, and, and I do, I do mean that. Uh, I don't throw that out there that easily, but um, uh, I'm kind of an angry dude. <laughs> but you do have a you do have a fan, and I believe in what you guys are doing, and um, uh, hopefully to see a lot more from you. And then uh, when we get our grab, uh, we'll call you and tell you. And I can have you on ours. Cool. I got to get a grab first, though. My life is boring. I gotta, hey, I gotta hey, hey, you definitely set the bar way high there, Tom, and uh, it, it, it's going to be a little while. Even on a down week, you'll find something better, man. Don't even waste your time. <laughs> well, again, thanks, guys, for having me out, having me on. I mean, truly an honor. I, I love what you guys are doing. I mean, John and I talk about all the time, you know, when we started the podcast, it was – you know, we don't know if anybody's going to listen. We don't really know what the content we're putting out there is. And, and you guys are in the same boat too, right? You're now you're creating content, but it makes a difference. It doesn't matter. We said when we started, it doesn't matter if 10 people listen to it. If we can yep. give somebody some insight or, or help somebody one, even one person out, you know, we do a PTSD episode and one person, it saves their life, which we've gotten that message. It makes it all worth it. You know, yep. And so everything you guys are doing, I, I know, uh, and I know what you're, what you're going through and the time commitment, all that that goes into it. Um, so I, I definitely can appreciate what you guys are doing and keep doing what you're doing. 
Awesome, Tom. Nice to meet Thanks, you, brother. Man. On my behalf, you know, nice to meet you. Uh, you guys are killing it. You're motivating. You're inspirational. I've been using your material forever. You have the best marketing people in the world. I don't know who you're using, but it's freaking fire. And uh, we're just happy to be here, man. I'm looking forward to working with you one day, meeting you in person. Thanks for your time, buddy. All right, hey, thanks, thank you. And tell your crew too, man. Like, hats off to them. Like, we we don't cut it short because of those guys. I mean, the, we uh, we're like I said, we're all officers, and we know what a vital part they played in that whole operation. You just happen to be the mouthpiece today. We get it. That's what we are. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes as an officer, you just got to get the hell out of the way. You know. Yeah. That's it. Hell yeah. Hey, we appreciate it, Tom, and uh, hopefully. Uh, you and uh, John want to come on the podcast uh, sometime soon, and uh, we'll talk more. Yeah, I'll just make sure it's at his house with his internet. <laughs> we'll check his internet first. <laughs> right. All right, buddy. Yeah, I went fine, man. Cool. Thank you. Hey, thank All you very guys. much, Tom. What's up, fellas? All right, we're still live, so don't say anything stupid. Yeah, exactly. That fucking hey. guy. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tom. I know you're backstage. No, listen. Hey. Hats, go ahead, Hermie. Go ahead. Uh, hats off to that guy, dude. That was um, my line. Just being so humble and, and, and giving it 100%, leaving it all on the line is huge. It's uh, you. We all talk about it, and you're, you're not finding that too often, especially this day and age. Man, as as humble as he is, it sounds like his crew is even a little more humble, which I find that yeah. unbelievable. But um, it starts at the top. Yeah, but you know, I mean, realistically, if uh, if if, if you go in and everything's gelling, I mean, there's really it's. I don't want to say it's another day at the office, but that's how those guys look at it. They train and they train and they train and they train, and then they do it, and then they get it. Yeah, I get it. Inside the firehouse, it's high fives. It's jacked up. Can't go to sleep even on two cup. You know, drinking some mud, doing your report. Next morning, you buy some beers from the guys and all that. But nobody needs to know about it because that's our thing, man. That's what we strive for. And I get it. I understand it, and I and I like it. So it was very cool. Like I got to talk to him a couple times and and uh, kind of a shortcomings and everything. And I just knew, man, he was. Uh, He's got something cool. So then I started looking up Fit to Five Fire and all that. And, you know, sorry, I'm behind the times on that little operation, Rob. You know, thanks mm -hmm. for telling me about the book. Now I feel like a jerk. Thanks, bro. Appreciate that. <laughs> thanks for looking out for. for me. But um, I ordered it today, and I, uh, earlier today, and I can't wait for it to get here because I'm going to dissect it, and I'm going to send him dirty pictures. <laughs> well, what I... What do you got for us, uh, Rob? Anything? I'm just happy to have met him, and uh, we got to talk about a lot of cool points. We touched on targeted searches, oriented searches, split searches, VES, beyond the door. Uh, we talked about throwing ladders, backseat intuition. Uh, we talked about a lot of cool things today, and, and I'm getting text messages and all types of emails right now as we're talking, and some guys are taking stuff back to the firehouse, and like Tom said earlier, you know, we're not here for the numbers. We're not here for we. We're here for them. And so if one person takes something back, it's a home run, and I had a blast doing it. Well, no, the, the cool thing, the, the cool thing that Tom said too is, um, 
I, I got this from their podcast earlier today that I'm going to take something away from this. I'm going to take the backseat intuition. I'm going to show my guys that now there's a label on it. Now there's a name on it. And I feel that they have it, but now they can be kind of, they, they got something they can hold on to. Not held accountable because that's kind of a, a, a crappy little statement, but they got something they can hold on to. Like, listen, I need some backstreet, I need some backseat intuition from you guys because we're going to split. Whether we do the outside of the building, the inside of the building, whatever the case may be, that's what we're going to do. And I need you guys to be on that. What can I do to help you? How do I teach you, show you? How do, what do we do? We're going to go that route. So I did definitely take something away from their podcast, and I definitely took something away um, pre-going live when we were talking to them. Hey, David uh, Co. we appreciate you, man. Uh, we appreciate you uh, tuning in. We appreciate you having, uh, being another listener. It's huge. Hey, um, Herbie, the, uh, I'm going to give a little shout-out, if you don't mind. Go ahead. The, um, I'd like to give a shout-out. The uh, National Rescue, three of us, uh, Herb, myself, and Dave McCulley, went over to Tampa and did some, did some work with the uh, Cigar City Fools. And uh, I was kind of pumped. True class acts. What's that? True class acts. Well, I, I went over there. I was I was kind of pumped going over there, but kind of a kind of a standard, normal pumped. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I get to do some stuff. No stress. Herbie's not going to make me print certificates. I'm not going to have to worry about anything. Drink some beers, talk smack, do whatever. Um, when I went over there, and the first group came up. Actually, even let me back up before that. Meeting the instructors, working with uh, Sean McKay at Element Rescue, and um, all the all the board on the fools, that how pumped they were, uh, and to have us there and doing stuff, and we're like, all right, this is cool, this is getting better. And the next morning, when the when the uh, the members showed up and they were like, hey, what's up? And you're like, okay, you know, we we did our thing, we built our little our little subjects and little things here and there, and. Uh, they were so into it because they wanted to be there and it was it was um it was like all right so i started getting a little more pumped up because of the fact that they wanted to be there listening to what i had to say and showing them things and then they were asking some questions and we're like well i don't know let's try it and so it was good man so hats off to that whole cigar city fools that tampa area um e even their crews came by ladder trucks engines and all that and those guys were top notch as well they they uh they didn't step on any toes they came in i mean there were some guys that could probably show me a few tricks here and there and they just they kind of stood their ground and and listened and you know it was a class act operation so hats off cigar city fools i appreciate uh all that and their hospitality was uh bar none hey greg i'm gonna add to that uh since we're on the subject of fools all right, I want to give a shout out to my Fools chapter, which I'm a Fools member of. A little bit over a week away, December 4th, from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the Broward County Firefighter Benevolent Hall. Uh, they're hosting a training event. Miko is a sponsor. 75 bucks gets you Rick George, Bill Gustin, Stephen Shaw, and Eddie Monahan doing garage doors, resiliency training, some standpipe stuff and engine company operations. And some formal uh, forcible entry. You can't you can't buy training like that from names like that. 
or for 75 yeah. bucks at any conference and, and you're getting it in your backyard. If you guys have not signed up, make sure you go on the South Florida Fools website and sign up for the December 4th hot training. And before it goes unmentioned, we, myself, Greg, and Herb would like to wish Mama Gleason a happy birthday. Mama Gleason, Timmy Gleason's mom. Happy birthday, mom. Hey, if you guys have not seen the episode with Timmy Gleason and us, you will see Mama Gleason. She does a couple cameos. She does. And I think I think she was making some shepherd's pie in the back. I'm not sure. Yes. I'm not sure what was going on there. So, cheers to Mama Gleason. Hey, so now that now that we're on the the subject of our boy uh, Timmy Gleason, real quick, um, the uh, hats off to him too because I text message all you guys in our little group message that we have. Did you guys see that that uh, one of my friends from the military reached out? for one of his buddies, blah, blah, blah. And he saw that program. And because of what Timmy said, he assisted and needed some help and all that and reached out and got it. So I'd like to tip a tip a beer to uh, Timmy Gleason for that because who knows where that could have gone. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. I have nothing to do with that. I'm just the mouthpiece of it. All right, so <clears throat> a couple of... Uh quick announcements so we got three spots left for the uh, advanced rescue and survival school that's uh held january 6th through the 8th at uh indian river fire college we're capping it out at 35 and we only have three spots left um it's going to be one hell of uh training uh we look forward to seeing everybody we got two guys flying in from ohio we got uh georgia we got uh, people from Alabama coming in. It's a big event. So we look forward to seeing everybody there. Uh, we are going to host it again. But uh, th this is going to be the, the big one. Hats off to uh, Treasure Coast Fools. They are doing a Brotherhood Bash on the night of the 8th. Cheers to Treasure Coast Fools. Hey, uh... <clears throat> Treasure Coast, Treasure Coast Fools too is um, a top-notch organization. I mean, when you reach out to those guys, when we do, for no matter what, it doesn't matter what it is, when we reach out to them, they never balk. It's like, nope. yeah, sure, how can I help? What do I do? That's, That's awesome. the kind of guys that were. I mean, those guys are legit, man, and, and I appreciate everything that they do for us. Uh, I will have to say that <clears throat> Rob's going to be um, in his survival, which is pretty cool. Uh, legit class. I've, I've seen it a couple times down in Fort Lauderdale. He's going to be trashing a little bit of the Rit guys, but uh, mm -hmm. we're making we're making Rit money. We're making Rit cool, and uh, uh, it, you're going to be it, busy. You're going to be busy. You're going to be tired. It's going to be the shit. The, the, this is going to be one of those classes, and uh, so so we'll we'll tag on uh, our boy Rob. It's going to be one of those varsity as fuck classes. And, and um, the another class that we have, uh, one of the lead instructors for the uh, Dirty South Engine Truck School is going to be Rob and uh, Greg. We're going to be holding that at uh, Indian River. Greg's going to be running the uh, truck school. Uh, Rob's going to be doing a bunch of the engine uh, engine stuff. It's going to be good. Um Anybody that's listening, you guys know that if you've ever taken a class with NRC, 
We don't do unrealistic shit. We give you realistic, but we make you work for it. And we make you earn it, and you're, you're going to enjoy it. And then when we're done, there's always going to be fellowship at the end. I promise you that. So in March, Treasure Coast Fools have already said, hey, don't worry about it. We're taking care of the brotherhood. We got, we got it taken care of. So those dates are going to be coming out here probably in the next week or so. Hey Rob, I'm not uh, I'm not sure what's going on on my schedule. I'm looking at it right now, but um, mm-hmm. I might try to swing in there on December fourth, uh, just to hot to check it out. You know, maybe bring some swag down there, talk a little NRC nonsense. But um, I'll see what I can do. It'd be good to see a bunch of those guys too. 100. percent They're gonna put on a good show. Those guys are locked in. I spoke to the president Mickey today, and he's excited about it. Well, so so we're gonna wrap this up. And uh, I know I say it all the time, and I'm going to say it again. We truly, truly, truly appreciate every fucking thing you guys have done for us. The, the feedback from this show feeds myself, Greg, Rob. Like, you guys make us want to do this all the time. And it's awesome. Uh, we appreciate everything you guys have done for us. We appreciate all the feedback. If there's anything you guys want to hear us talk about or if there's anything you want us to to hit on or, or guest speakers you want us to talk to, let us know. Drop us a line, nationalrescueconsultants.com, info at, and we'll do it. it we're doing this for all of us in the fire service. Uh, we live in a great uh, time where social media is key. Um, when the three of us got into the fire service, there was none of this. You, you, you went to conferences and that was it. And you got, you got their numbers and then probably for Greg, cause he's a little older, he probably got their beeper numbers. So you used to have to <laughs> shoot a little beeper fucking code, let them know, Hey, 911, You're welcome. come text me. But we appreciate everything, man. And that's, uh, we are, uh, truly humbled by the feedback that we get from you guys. Hey, uh, one last thing for the can man too. Uh, no, no shout out for the stash from the can man. I feel a little disappointed about that. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Let's go. Where yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Where yeah. Let's go. <laughs> well, so with that being said, fellas, I think we're going to wrap this up as always. We're going to give a shout out to the sponsors. We got breach point. USAR. We got TNT Rescue Tools. We got First Do Screen Printing. We got MECO Fire. We got the Cam-Man Radio Show. We got Nozzleman Leather. And we also have Hydraman Apparel. He, uh, dude from St. Pete, great, great dude. Hit him up. He'll uh, he'll take care of you. Hydraman Apparel. Um, Other than that, man, I got nothing for you guys. Like I said, I appreciate everything. Greg, you got anything for him? No, man. Thank you. Thank you, everybody out there. Um, we push. You make us push forward. We, we try to make things better. We try to get the right data. We only tell the truth, uh, and we try to keep it real. And, and, and I appreciate that. And uh, the two guys next to me, um, they make me better. They, they push me hard, 
they make me better and they make me want to up my game every single day and uh and i appreciate that and i love them for doing that thank you guys thank you <laughs> i have some choice words for you but yeah that's the nicest thing you've ever said greg blood, take care guys blood kisses blood kisses all right herb hey thank you guys appreciate it brother hey train to live podcast number seven we're out <laughs>